Welcome to the Avail Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to help you take your leadership to the next level. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're connecting with Alan Platt. Alan is the founder of Doxadeo Churches, which currently serve 30,000 people across South Africa, the United Kingdom, Germany, and New Zealand. He is the leader of the City Changers Movement and lead architect of the Church United program in South Florida. Lean in as Alan gives us some key insights in this conversation about Christianity and relevance. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Avail Leadership Podcast. As always, my name is Virgil Sierra. I'm the Avail Media host. I have the privilege of also pastoring Vertical Church, a.k.a. Iglesia Vertical, where we are one church, two languages, pointing up people to God in English and in Spanish. And I will say this. Every time we get together for the Avail Leadership Podcast, it is always an amazing opportunity to grow as leaders. We bring the best leaders all over the planet. And as always, the Avail Leadership Podcast does not disappoint. Today, we are here connecting with Pastor Alan Platt from South Africa. I have, now I have a, a little bit of a bias here. I'm very, very fond of Pastor Alan Platt. He is actually an overseer for us and our church at Vertical Church. Uh, Pastor Allen is actually a pastor of pastors, uh, a leader of leaders. I would say a father of fathers because of the calling God has placed on his heart, uh, all the way from uh, Pretoria, South Africa, uh, leading Doxadeo Church, uh, leading an, an amazing movement called City Changers Movement. Uh, and, and his impact and his ministry's impact and all these organizations are impacting not only different parts of South Africa, different parts of Europe, and now different parts of the United States. And it's an honor for us to have you, Pastor Allen. How does it feel to be here on the Avail Leadership Podcast? Oh, my goodness. What a joy. I've uh, really looked forward to this. I've uh, had the privilege of connecting with you, Verge, over the last few years. And just to see how God is just using you and so many of the other younger leaders uh, it's that season of my life where I am rejoicing what God is doing through others. And so what a joy to be with you tonight. I'm so excited. And, and for those of you who are listening right now or watching this at the time of recording, I'm in South Florida and Pastor Allen is in South Africa, in Pretoria, where Doxadeo Church is. And man, what a blessing it is. What a privilege it is. Now, I know who you are, Pastor Allen, and a lot of the people who are who have connections with Doxadeo Church uh, and City Changers Movement and have been uh, in and around some of the leadership movements that you've been uh, leading with a lot of your team throughout the years know who you are. But I know there's some people who are getting to know you here on the Avail Leadership Podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about your story, a little bit about who you are, kind of how God called you up and what you're doing now? Well, the amazing thing is we're actually here in South Africa visiting because uh, we've, we've relocated to the U.S. and uh, we find ourselves in Florida. Uh, but uh, we've had the privilege now of being back here just for a few months and um, it's just so energizing for me to see how God is working through uh, the ministry, even though we are on the other side of the world. Uh, this ministry is actually now celebrating 25 years. That's part of the reason why we are here. Wow. 
And uh, it started here in Pretoria, South Africa, 25 years ago. Initially, just exploding as, as we were a bunch of young guys. Uh, I often joke and say I had hair and life was good. Uh, and a lot has changed since then. <laughs> uh, but we, we saw uh, just an amazing growth spurt uh, in the initial two years of our being established here. And it was two years into the journey that I was sitting in my study preparing for a leadership meeting and had this experience of God speaking to me, challenging me uh, to realize that what we had experienced was actually not my faith. It was a gift of faith hmm. that had uh, ignited this engagement within the context of our church and uh, how in that moment God challenged me with uh, this concept of now having a faith for the city. I remember going to that leadership meeting with two concepts, faith for a church, faith for a city, mm. and realizing at that moment that we don't really know how to engage our city, how to engage our community, how to navigate um, a journey that calls for us not just to focus in the building, but outside of the building, and of course, that led us down this journey of asking, how could we be relevant to our world? I love that. And as somebody who's been uh, learning from you and from your team and journeying with you, the one thing that I love that's always at the center of the conversations uh, and your teachings is there's always this connection of truly making an impact in our city, in our community. And I think that this is a great conversation for leaders, of course, pastors, uh, uh, people that want to make a difference and an impact in the community. And so this conversation really is about Christianity and relevance. How can we be a relevant factor in our everyday communities, in our cities? How do we become relevant to the context of the world that we're in? So I want to I wanna just lead the conversation in that direction, uh, Pastor Allen, uh, and maybe you can kind of lead us in this talk. I might jump in and intervene with a few questions about how, how do we, uh, as a church, you know, as, as Christians, how do we become relevant in the context of culture, uh, today's world, and, mm. and wherever it is that we may be? I think it all starts really for us in this uh, understanding of awareness uh, that we actually have a role to play within the context of our world. Uh, for me, that was the biggest shift uh, we recognized that we needed to make a shift in our mentality. I remember when we started grappling with this concept 25 years ago, uh, <laughs> we, we uh, were led to this portion of scripture in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Mm. But in that portion of scripture, there was, a, there was a clear distinction between the disciples and Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, the disciples saw the problem. They were the ones that were aware of the issue before, you know, Jesus was, I think. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they have concern. But immediately they are confronted with their lack of resource and they think to themselves, what difference can mm. we make? Right. And so when they get to Jesus, the way they want to address this problem is let's 
send it away, you know, kind of hoping that somewhere, <laughs> someone else is going to take care of this. But the Bible says Jesus had compassion. Mm. And Jesus says to them, we're going to give them something to eat. And it was as if in the same circumstances, the same resources, the same context, a different mentality. Mm. And so we started asking the question, you know, how do we shift our mentality? And we kind of coined this phrase, how do we move from concern mm -hmm. to compassion? Yeah. How, how do we not just recognize all you know, the negative and the brokenness and the damage and the confusion and the sinfulness of our world. But how do we actually get a heart of compassion to say, let's start breaking the pieces. Let's start engaging mm -hmm. our world. And, and so we, I think it all starts with a shift in our mentality. Uh, you know, Verge, for me, one of the biggest shifts that I had to make was actually my theological understanding because hmm. I didn't really think we had a role to play within the world. Uh, <laughs> my theological bent was I need to get people out of the world, get them saved, hang on to Jesus. And, you know, we're going to heaven. We're, you know, yeah. we have no issue with, with our world. I remember uh, one of my favorite verses in scripture was, uh, I am not of this world. And then I discovered that that particular text is in a bigger context where Jesus was praying and he was praying what is called the high priestly prayer just before he's about to die. And um, he prays the following. He says, I, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And then he, he says, sanctify them in your truth. Your word <laughs> is truth. And then he says, they are not of this world, as I am not of this world, but as you have sent me to this world, I have sent them to this world. And I realized that that text, that we are not of the world, is in the context we have to go to the world. So we represent something. We rep represent a kingdom, a different way of, wow. of thinking, of life. Of uh, I mean, we carry life, but we are to carry this life into the context of of our world, Alan. Let me let me, let, Alan, me. Let, let me jump in here because I, I love I love where you're going with this, and I, I want to just mention, as, as as a young pastor who is kind of learning from from pastors who've gone before us, like yourself, you know, it's so easy to sometimes be consumed with the idea of what you just said. Of hey, we're focused on building the church, and we need to get the world here, and right. not realizing. And this is, this is a big stretch for a lot of leaders and pastors, realizing that our calling, yes, we, we are called to be the church, but we are called to make an impact in the world. And that, that's why I love where you're headed, because I think that so many times we're just satisfied or focused on an internal perspective of we, the church, not realizing right. this calling, which I think is what differentiates, you know, a church that is a community church, you know, or, 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 you know, or a, or a spiritual family, so to speak, and a church that is a presence in the community, right? A church for right. the, so I, I love where you're headed with this. Well, you know, one of the big statements that shifted me in that time was a, a missiologist with the name of David Bosch. He made this statement. He said, the church does not have a mission. Mm. 
the mission has a church. So good. Now, that immediately is a repositioning statement because yeah. you suddenly realize we don't have programs that we kind of initiate to go and do stuff in the community and hope God blesses it. No, we recognize the very reason for our existence. The reason there is a church is because there is a mission. And so we need to find out what this mission is and align ourselves with this mission of Christ yeah. to the world. And when I started recognizing that, we started saying, Lord, you got to help us with strategy because where do you start and, and how do you engage and what do you do, you know, if you really are wanting to make a difference in, in the context of your, your world. And I think one of the things that, that really became um, helpful for us uh, is this concept of presence. Mm-hmm. the presence of Christ within our world. If I may, I want to read just a scripture in the message translation that mm-hmm. was, you know, very revealing for us. And I'm sure many of your listeners have heard this, but just listen to it again. Ephesians 1 in, in 22 and 23, it says, at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world, the world is peripheral to the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's this concept of, of, of recognizing God has his agency, his people, mm-hmm. those that are redeemed, those that have experienced something of being partakers of the very life of Christ in their lives, they become central to God's mission within the context of the world. And then he says, The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. Now, we are grateful for that. And (laughs) the problem just is sometimes we just stop there. And the next sentence is, by which he fills everything with his presence. Mm -hmm. Everything, of course, means Everything, right? <laughs> if you have a, an everything box and you have to pack everything into the everything box and after you packed it all into this box, but there's something outside of the box, it never was the everything box. Uh-huh. So it's either everything or it's not everything. And so it's this everything notion that we need to start to understand. It's, it's government, it's business, it's arts, it's media, it's sport, it's social society, it's every dimension of our reality mm-hmm. needs to be filled with the presence of Christ. So, so are you saying, Pashan, that we the church, we the Christians have something to do, have a voice in all of these different areas of society? There's no question about that because we are the Adam of God. We, we are in this garden and we have to guard and tend it. We are sent. We are commissioned. Yeah, it's good. Here's the thing. We need to understand that every single Christ follower is called. Mm-hmm. Wow, now just that statement is massive because so many people live with a dislocate between Sunday's faith and Monday's life. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this chasm, this dualism. And, and I mean, research has just been done by the Bana Institute very, very recently. And they have found that in the USA, 72% of Christians actually say they do not know how to connect Sunday's faith with Monday's life. Wow. Now, that's the challenge. So we need to start discipling people with Monday in mind so that people can actually understand, I am a presence carrier, and I take the presence of Christ into my world on a daily basis. Uh, I have a question. I have a question on that. So there's a presence that God wants us as his children to carry. Now, here's the question. How do we do that? What, what kind of, right. how do we bring the presence and what kind of presence do we bring? Well, that's also one of the key things that I, I so appreciate when you ask that question because um, wherever we go, we're telling people, you know, we now need to move from wow to how. Mm. Uh, because a lot of people say, yes, I get this, <laughs> you know? Okay. So, so yes, we, we are the, the presence of Christ, but, but how? And so for us to understand that we have broken it down into three critical references. Um, mm-hmm. we talk about a fathering presence, a faithful presence and a fruitful presence. Mm-hmm. And really all we've tried to do is by using those terms is to align and orientate our people to better understand the how, the, the engagement. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if I can start by unpacking that, that just a little, um, when we speak about a fathering presence, we're really talking about us uh, taking the burden, the, the responsibility, the mm. moving from concern to compassion to recognize, you know, we need to get engaged. We, we need to, to take up this responsibility. Yeah. But it really starts with something of a burden in our own hearts for our community, for our world. Um, it means a change of, of perspective, of uh, the way we, we, we engage our everyday life. You know, uh, we're encouraging people that when you go to work, stop going there begrudgingly. Um, <laughs> go there as somebody that has been sent and commissioned and, and released to go and do that. As a matter of fact, in our church, we would have commissioning services. We would actually pray over the... The, the teachers and, and send them and say, when you go into that classroom, <laughs> you know, you're not going in there just because you need a salary or because, you know, you, you feel, you know, this is your bent, and, but you're enduring these brats, you know, go there <laughs> and recognize they need love. They need hope. They need yeah. encouragement. Go and, you know, put a 10 on their head, look at them in a different way, Speak to them as as people that have value in Christ. The whole intent is is go in there with a recognition of calling, of purpose, of mm-hmm. and um, and so 
you know, to, to be able to do that, we need to consistently encourage our people because it's tough out there and it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as, as people engage, you know, society that is so damaged and broken and confused on so many levels, we need to, to recognize that. But it's also us... You know, when I think about Nehemiah, if you recall the story of Nehemiah, mm-hmm. he's got this cozy job working for the king uh, in Babylon, which is the most developed city of its time. Uh, so this guy's well set. I mean, he doesn't need anything to to upset. You know, he's he's got the lifestyle. He's got the influence. He, he, he's got it all going for him. And then his brothers come back from Jerusalem and he inquires about Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was devastated. The the walls were broken down. The temple was broken down. And then they share with him the situation in Jerusalem. And it so affects this man, Nehemiah, that he immediately, and it says in Nehemiah 1, it says, and when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. And I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. There was something about his heart mm-hmm. being arrested uh, with a sense of compassion for that reality. And then we know the story how he then makes a commitment to go and make a difference. And God uses him in this amazing way to, in 52 days, build a wall that couldn't be built mm-hmm. in a hundred days. Years. I mean, this guy had leadership skill, capacity, all of those things, but it all started with a sense of being burdened. Yeah, of, you know, I wanted, to, that. I wanted to jump in there, uh, Pastor Alan, because I think, I think a lot of people in our churches feel, and this could be just be my thought, you know, maybe or maybe just here in South Florida, I don't know. They feel like, okay, yes, you're the pastor, you should have the burden. Right or you are the minister. The ministers you should have those burdens, but we're just we're just attendees. You know, we we just come to church, right? And and I think that's that's something that I've been able to learn and appreciate from you is how as you know the lead pastor and a lead leader, how do you how do you get your people to embrace and say we want to carry this burden of what's happening in our community, of what's happening in our city. We wow, we were so uh, blind because we weren't even looking mm. for it, but now we see it, and we want to carry it. How does a pastor lead his church to think that way, as opposed to thinking you, the leader, should do it? Yeah, I uh, think you know uh, one of the biggest disservices we've done over the years in the church is. Um, to separate that distance between clergy and laity Mm -hmm. uh, in such a way where we, you know, uh, see those that function full-time in the church as being the called spiritual uh, people Uh and the rest, you know, I mean, the very term laity actually means the uninformed ones. (laughs) I'd be pretty offended Uh, you know, thinking that that's who I am if I was in the church. But you see, we are there as gifts, Paul says, to the body Mm -hmm. to do what? To equip the saints for their work of ministry. Yep. Um, And if people 
can start to understand that part of their engagement within the context of church is not just to be blessed and encouraged, but it's to be equipped and sent. Yes. To be mobilized, to be commissioned. And we need to, to create a new narrative where, where, where people recognize that, that actually even when they come to church, we're actually asking, what did God do in your life so that we can celebrate that as the body in terms of how God is using you within the context of the week? Um, because whatever we celebrate, we replicate. And we should celebrate far more what God is doing through our yeah. people in the week rather than just, you know, communicating that everything that is good and spiritual and glorious happens in the program of the church. <laughs> now, that's the process of equipping you so that the stuff can happen as you navigate every day of your life. Yeah. And, I, I, I want to I jump in. So, so you talked about the beginning. This is a mentality shift, number one. Uh, secondly, this is something, this is how the pastor or the lead leader is communicating as well. This is not just, hey, everything is here. It's, we need to go out. The fathering presence is what you, you know, the first of the three, right? Fathering yeah. presence, uh, a faithful presence, fruitful presence. So that fathering presence really is where we get our people to say, we want to carry this burden. We want to, we want to make a difference. We're owning it. It's not right. just a pastor. It's not just you know, the organization, it's we, we're starting initiatives, we're bringing ideas, you know, and I think every pastor dreams about that, about their, the, the people in the church saying, we want to make a difference. Now, this is the fathering presence. Would that then lead into the faithful presence? Yeah, that leads into the faithful presence, because faithful presence by implication just really means I now see myself immersed within the context of my world. I, I become incarnational to my world. Mm. You know, Verge, I think um, the church has had various positions uh, to our world, our community, society at large, and some of them have not been helpful. Mm -hmm. um, if I can quickly just reference them, the first is, you know, kind of a protesting church. This is when the church only shows up in our community when we're against something <laughs> and where we, we make a lot of noise and we explain, you know, in no uncertain terms that we are un disappointed and, and, and we're, we're not going to accept the reality that is presented to us. Now, the problem with that is, uh, is, is if we only show up when we're against something, the world only knows what we're against. Right. They don't know what we're for. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that there's no prophetic voice, but if we only show up when we try right. to explain what we're against, it's not really helpful. Mm -hmm. But then you also had the absent church. This is where the church thought, well, you know, we want nothing to do with the world. We, <laughs> we kind of, you know, pull away from the world and we became this little enclave and, and it's us and we become more holy and spiritual and deep and, and, and we're navigating this journey together waiting for Jesus to come. But because of our absence, we become totally irrelevant. Right. The, the world goes on, they carry on and they, they you know, they just, in, in a sense, ignore us because... Um, we're just not there. 
Um, Not even there? And so that hasn't been helpful. But then you get the church wanting to engage the world and it's clumsy and, and it becomes the cultural church. It becomes like the world. It, it doesn't know how to affect the world. Mm. And, and, and so, you know, we assume the values and the principles and the ways of the world and, and you know, and, and then the meat becomes more uh, or, or the salt becomes more meatier instead of the meat becoming more saltier, you know, because <laughs> we're salt, man. We're light. Yeah. We, we have to engage mm. representing kingdom life wherever yeah. we go. But it is about tone and cadence. And mm. I think that's where we sometimes <clears throat> misinterpret how we show up. Um, you know, the Bible says Jesus came into our neighborhood and, and we saw his glory full of grace and truth. And I, I think it's a helpful framework for us to understand that Jesus led with grace and then he established truth. <laughs> uh, it's sometimes problematic when we want to lead with truth. And then, you know, if you accept my truth, I'll show you grace. Um, <laughs> but it's something of a paradigm that we need to understand. But what it means really, I mean, when Jesus sends his disciples, he sends them out two by two. And then he says to the disciples, I'm sending you as lambs amongst wolves. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah, it's, if I was a disciple, I think I would have raised my hand and said, Jesus, I mean, come on, can't, can't we rather go as wolves amongst lambs? It just feels like we have more control. But there's something in that principle that we need to discover. It was as if Jesus was saying, you're going to enter this world and you're going to feel that you're weak because you're leading with kingdom life. Mm -hmm. Where there's hatred, you come with love. Wow. Where there's bitterness, you come with forgiveness. Where there's greed, you come with generosity. Where there's self-centeredness, you come to lay your life down. Where there's pride, you come with humility. But our problem is, many times as Christ followers, we have not engaged with humility and with laying our lives down and mm. with a sense of, of representing kingdom life, we've tried to meet flesh with flesh and, and just bring in three scriptures. <laughs> That's where the problem is. That is not yeah. the faithful presence. The faithful presence is to represent the character of the kingdom, to wow. inculcate the character of Christ into our community. So good. The problem is we're too quick to want to run another program or another activity or another engagement instead of realizing we are the program. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me jump in here, Pastor Alex. This is so good. And I, and I, I really like kind of how you broke down what, what sometimes the church is. Sometimes the church is a protesting church. So we're, you know, we're seen as, we're viewed by the world, by culture, by our community as negative, right. as angry, you know, as dissonant. Um, sometimes we're the absent church, right? We're, we don't even show up, you know? So there's, sure. we, there's, no, there's not even a reason to argue for a voice because we're not even there to, to sure. have a voice. Um, sure. th th I had never heard it this way. Then there's the, the cultural church that, that basically is the church that, <laughs> 
that becomes so much like the world that it kind of looks like sure. it looks like and feels like the world. And, and again, we're not here. I'm not here to, to you know, point the finger, criticize, because the thing is, I think we can fall into any of these. But then you talked about the incarnational church. This is the faithful presence of a church that is in a city, that is in a community, but realizes we're here for far more than just looking in. We got to look out. How are we making a difference by being a faithful presence in the right. community, not just because we have a service on Sunday come to us? And I love, I love what you mentioned about Jesus, you know, really extending grace before truth, because I think that a lot of, a lot of us kind of grew up the opposite. We grew up, hey, if you accept this truth, then we're going to share the grace with you. This is so good. This is so good. So we talked about a fathering presence, and you're, you're kind of unraveling here the faithful presence. Uh, does this lead us into the fruitful presence? Yeah, that's kind of the next step because you see, not only do we represent kingdom life, we also have to align that which is out of sync mm. with the Lordship of Jesus Christ to be able to function um, in the way that there is the recognition that Jesus is Lord of all. This is one of the biggest revelations I, I, I received when I was navigating this journey is to realize that Jesus is not just Lord of my life right. and Lord of the church, but he is Lord of all. All. <laughs> of all. And, and I mean, just reading Colossians 1 from verse 15 if you just read that and all things, all things, all things, all things, it's repeated, I think, seven or eight times where it says all things are mm. under his lordship. He's, he is lord of all. And so I started to realize that education will only make sense when it aligns itself back to the original proto, to the genesis of its design, which mm -hmm. is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the, is the reference point of creation, of all reality, of everything there is. And government and business and church and social society <laughs> and everything needs to be aligned back to Christ. Now, how do we align everything back to Christ? Um, we grappled with this and asked, so, you know, how do we address these different dimensions of our, our world? And, and, and we realized that our world really is defined in three dimensions. There is the spiritual component where there, we recognize people are lost. They need Jesus Christ. There is the social component where there's a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And then there is this systemic component where there's a lot of brokenness. Now, the difference between pain and brokenness for us is pain is when we run into the river because we want to save somebody that's drowning. But brokenness is when we go upstream to catch the people who are pushing them into the river. <laughs> that's when we go and address right. the systemic issues of society. Now, if you take those three dimensions and you just listen to what Scripture teaches us, and this refrain you will pick up in Scripture over and over and over, it's the faith, love, and hope paradigm. Mm -hmm. You see, we take faith for the spiritual lostness, 
We take love for the social pain and we bring hope to the systemic brokenness. Now, if you start thinking just in terms of as an individual, as a church, or as a missional ecosystem that's taking hands with other churches and other kingdom agencies in a community, asking the question, how can we take faith? How can we take love? Mm -hmm. And how can we take hope to our world? And um, uh, the challenge for us, however, as Christ followers in certain environments, it's not helpful to lead with faith. Right. Because people aren't open to listen to your faith. But it might help if you led with love. Mm-hmm. Because love breaks down the barriers when you start serving so and good. blessing and embracing and, yeah. and showing up just to show your community that you actually care and love and want to be part of. Um, it opens the door many times for you to engage either with hope all with faith. But that's what we take to our world. Faith, love, and hope. So good. I, you know, you know, as you're, as you're saying that, it, it really, it, it pumps me up and it excites me because I know there's so much that we can do. I think the church has so much to offer our community. Uh, in all of these areas, we're just not accustomed sometimes to think this way. Uh, Pastor Allen, I think sometimes we're just, we've, we've, especially if we've been in church all of our lives, we've been sure. kind of trained up and accustomed to thinking everything has to happen here in the context of our church and our own programs, not realizing that that is limiting the potential of the reach. So uh, there's so many, you know, I think about it. That's, that's the heart of our church, right? To help the people who are spiritually lost. But, but at the same time, a lot of these people are going through the social pain. They're, going, they're experiencing the systemic brokenness. So how can we address all of these in a way where in the end, Jesus is going to get the glory. In the end, it's his kingdom that we're bringing, but we're being strategic. What I like about it is that this is strategic, right? It's, this is not, it's not rocket science, yeah. but, it's, but it's very strategic in that we, the church, understand that in the context of the world that we live in, there's a calling on our, on our lives personally as believers, but there's also a calling on our churches, you know, and our, and our, you know, our, not only the, our individual churches, but also in the unity of churches, which is, which is something that you've helped a lot of our churches here in South Florida through a whole movement that you helped architect uh, called Church United. Anyway, I might get, be getting ahead of myself, but, but I love it because it really is yeah. something that can't be done by one person, by one pastor, or even one church. Well, here's, if you think about the strategic framework and, uh, you know, I, I would encourage leaders and people to recognize that God wants to give us strategy. He wants to give us in the, uh, a way of engaging yeah. our communities. It's amazing when Jesus is about to feed the 5,000, um, he calls his disciples and he says, guys, go break up this group into groups of 50s and hundreds, very specific, (laughs) creates a whole strategic framework 
because he knew that he wanted every person to be fed. And the way that he would monitor that, I think, was the reason why he broke it up into smaller groups. But he was very specific, 50s and 100s. Hmm. I can just see these poor disciples not trained in crowd control now having to go and break up a group of people that are hungry. And if they're anything like my wife, you don't mess with her if she's hungry. <laughs> and you get them into groups. And, you know, and it must have been a pretty messy exercise. But Jesus didn't start or engage with the miraculous until the framework was ready. So good. And the flip side is also true. He, he positioned for the miraculous. Mm -hmm. And so we have to ask ourselves, how do we position ourselves for the miraculous, for touching our community, for affecting our community? So good. And um, I think there are three key agencies. If these are the three uh, empowerments and outcomes that we want to see, touching the spiritual, social, and systemic components of our city with faith, love, and hope. There are three agencies, and these three agencies are what we can call missional individuals. It's time for us to recognize every Christ follower is part of this program. Yes. People are not coming to church for the program. They are the program. Mm -hmm. And we need to see every single one of them as a missional individual, as an agent of grace. And we need to ask the question, how do we effectively disciple uh, individuals to become more impactful in their community? In, in, in the Doxodeo family, as you might know, we speak about three primary outcomes in our discipleship process, which is knowing God, loving people, and impacting your world. And everybody that joins our church knows this is what we're going to equip you in. We're going to help you to know God. We're going to help you to love people. And we're going to help you to impact your world. Mm -hmm. But the second missional agency um, is what we can call missional communities. This, these are churches. These are schools. These are hospitals. These are businesses. These are uh, NGOs. These are agencies that can position themselves to take faith, love, and hope to their world. Mm -hmm. And here the church needs to lead the way. And so we're, uh, we're through the City Changes movement, as you know, going mm -hmm. across the world. We're in 21 nations right now. Wow. Speaking into the lives of leaders to help leaders to better understand how can we posture our church to become a missional community. Mm. And then there is the missional ecosystem. And that's what you referenced in terms of the Church United process, which is so important. How do we play well in the sandbox <laughs> with other kingdom agents in our community? How do we take hands? How do we connect, collaborate, and celebrate with one another to see the kingdom of God come within our communities? I love that. Um, you know, I think, I think it's, it's fair to say, Pastor Allen, that what you and your team at Doxadeo have accomplished, um, uh, specifically in South Africa and some of the other nations where your church is at, um, has really been um, guided by this framework, this framework understanding that we, the church, we as Christians are not called to only have our holy huddles and look at each other, 
<laughs> we have been called and commissioned <laughs> to make a difference in the communities and cities where God has allowed us to be there. And you've talked about, you kind of guided us through a fathering presence, which is where we carry that burden. We want it. We say, we want to own this, a faithful presence, which means we're showing up, we're, we're, we're available. Yeah. We're, we're, we're saying, hey, we want, we want to help. We can help. And we're not just showing up when we have something negative to say or when we have a strong opinion. We're consistently doing so. And then the fruitful presence, right, where, which is when we're actually seeing things, we're, we're actually gaining some ground. We're, we're, we're sure. being seen as, as a legitimate entity. It's not just yeah. that, that corner church on the street corner over there that they have their, their events every once in a while. <laughs> this, it's a group of people who are really making an impact. Yeah. And, and, and all of this in, in all of this is kind of the heart of the city changers movement. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it really is, I think, the heart of Jesus's mandate. Uh, I recall when Jesus speaks to his disciples in Matthew 5, once again, the, the message translation from verse 13 says it so beautifully. He says, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. Jesus is actually saying to them, guys, don't get this wrong. You guys are not supposed to become this holy huddle. This is why you're here. He says, mm -hmm. if you lose your saltiness, how will you people taste godliness? Just think about that. And then he says, um, he says, there's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. Mm. Oh man, this is so exciting. When we discover the mission of Christ within the context of this world and we start aligning ourselves <laughs> to that particular reference, yeah, we raise city changes. We raise world changes. We raise people and communities that really become instruments of grace to, to the community. Uh, we have to show up. I love this. Here's what I want to do as we're kind of wrapping things up. This has been an intriguing conversation because we're talking about not just doing church. We're talking about being the church. And I love that. Pastor Allen, if people want to get, you know, connect with you, you know, I don't know if you, you know, if you do the social media thing or, or even if they wanted to learn more about city changers movement. Um, what are the best ways that people can reach out and connect with you and the organization? Yeah, well, at any time, we would love to be uh, instrumental to serve and bless. Uh, they can check us out at Doxa Deo. They can just Google Doxa Deo mm -hmm. uh, or City Changes Movement. Um, but there's also a book they can read. Uh, it's called City Changes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the principles that we've been sharing today are actually in that particular book. It was written to help people to better understand how to navigate uh, engagement as, as people who are called and want to make a difference and just want to be part of the mission. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think the best ways are the websites and also yeah. um, the, uh, uh, the book, I think, is helpful. Yeah, City Changers by Alan Platt. It's an amazing book, a great read. City Changers by Alan Platt. It really helps break down how a, a uh, missional individuals, missional, missional community like a church and a missional ecosystem can truly make an impact to change a city sure. uh, for the better. Uh, make sure you look, at, look for that. Also, I want to say, um, 
I know there's other things that City Changers Movement is working on, and I know there's probably more information to come in the future. I'm currently going through one of these coaching cohorts because I want my church to be a city changing church. And I want to be a pastor who's, you know, rubbing elbows with other pastors who, who are on the same mission, right. no matter where we're from. But I know, I know there's something that we can look forward to in the future from that as well. Correct. Yeah. Well, um, Virg, if there are leaders listening to this podcast today, and you lead a church, and you really want to navigate this journey uh, together with some peer-level level leaders, we have a nine-month uh, coaching cohort. And we have that cohort now in various nations in the world, and of course in the U.S. Uh, you are part of that, and uh, you are a great blessing <laughs> in that process. <laughs> and um, yeah, we, we're firing that up again uh, very soon. So if there are any leaders that want to be part of that, uh, it's going to roll out in different places in the nation. Um, but there's also a cohort for business leaders. We call it Life Work Leadership. And mm -hmm. that runs in various cities in, in the U.S., uh, also all across the world. Uh, but it's also a nine-month program where we help the business leader or the civic leader, whether you're, you, know, you, you lead an organization, an NGO, a school, or, or a hospital, or whatever, and you feel you need to be better equipped to understand some of these processes, uh, there's also a nine-month program. So check out LifeWork Leadership. There is a website for that as well. Uh, for the church leaders, go to go to City Changes and uh, uh, drop us an, a note. Uh, we'll <laughs> we'll gladly follow up and make you part of a very exciting conversation, um, which is happening all over the world. I actually just had the privilege of uh, uh, navigating the the graduation of the European process this wow. week where nine nations in Europe, leaders from across nine nations in Europe are part of this conversation. This is a global conversation. This is really what God is saying to the church right now. I'm convinced of it. And mm. um, it's important to, to sharpen the conversation uh, so that, you know, we can, we can better understand how to navigate this. So hopefully... I love uh, it. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you, Pastor Allen, and your team. I think they're doing an excellent job. And, and by the way, that LifeWork Leadership uh, curriculum, we're also working together on getting that in Spanish soon for some of the Spanish-speaking right. leaders out there. Great things that are coming there as well. You know, before we get to some final comments, Alan, um, I wanted to bring up the Avail Journal. I have the most recent Avail Journal that has John Bevere on the cover. Uh, have you had a chance to check out one of these available journals in the past? Great leadership material, great leadership articles. Absolutely. You know, I'm always so encouraged when there is material that equips and helps and speaks to leaders, because if we can affect leaders, we, we, we affect communities. <laughs> but I must honestly say, uh, Avail is just one of those resources that is a must-have. It's a must-have for every leader, because... Um, there's so many nuggets in there and so many relevant uh, areas of communication. Actually, I just took a recent one and uh, reformatted it, and uh, it was about succession. And, and I used some of those concepts to share that with some of my leaders. Very, very helpful. Uh, I, I, I wholeheartedly endorse <laughs> 
uh, that as a resource for leaders. Very good. Well, if you haven't done so yet, you can claim your free annual subscription to the Avail Journal by going to availjournal.com. That's right. We want to give you a free annual subscription. That means you're going to get four uh, great issues of Avail. By the way, one of the one of the best magazines I've ever felt and looked at. It just feels its quality and the content is amazing leadership content, no matter what area you're leading in. But especially if you're in the church world and you want to make a difference in the community um, as a leader, the Avail Journal is the way to go. Availjournal.com. You can claim your free annual subscription. Pastor Alan, this has been such a great conversation. Um, as we just wrap it up, what are some final thoughts that you want to share with us or, or you want to leave with us as we close off this conversation about Christianity and relevance? Well, maybe just the last thought for everybody that's listening is um, please don't allow this conversation just to be another interesting reference and mark it off as, you know, okay, so now I've heard them speak about that stuff. Uh, I plead with you, um, align yourself, your ministry, your organization to the mission of Christ in this time. The world is, is at a point where it needs people that will bring hope. You know, I always used to say to leaders, we are purveyors of hope. I recently heard somebody say, he who brings hope leads. Hmm. Uh, that's what we do. We enter into dark spaces and, and we, we bring light. We represent light. We we can, we can affect our communities. And, you know, we're, we're not going into this with triumphalism. We're not trying to take over and control the world. Uh, this is not a kingdom now kind of idea where we think we've got to fix everything for Jesus to come back. But mm -hmm. what it is, is we're getting with a program to bring the kingdom life <laughs> to a world that so desperately needs it. And uh, sometimes we do that by serving, by blessing. Sometimes we do that by helping to align. And sometimes we can really just break open the gospel to people to discover their inclusion in Christ uh, in the greatest moment in history when Jesus said, Tetelestai, it is finished. <laughs> they were included in that moment of completeness. Uh, but bless everybody. Uh, it's been an absolute delight to be with you, Virg, and uh, everybody that's listened. God bless you. Thank you so much, Pastor. And, and let me just say on behalf of myself and the entire Avail team, we're thankful for you. Uh, we honor you and we bless you and your, and your wife and your family and your team uh, for being that example, uh, for being a father to many pastors, a pastor to many pastors, uh, uh, just a, a quality uh, leader who is leading in different continents all at one time. I still don't know how you do it, uh, but we honor you. We are, we are blessed by everything you're doing with your team. Thank you so much. God bless you. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thank you for connecting with us for another Avail Leadership podcast episode. Uh, this has been a great talk on Christianity and relevance. Uh, again, if you have not claimed your free annual subscription, you can go to availjournal.com. And as always, you can have great, leadership conversations. You can lean in and listen to these conversations here at the Avail Leadership Podcast. We can't wait for the next one. And we'll see you then here at the Avail Leadership Podcast.
We hope you've been challenged to impact your city in this conversation with Alan Platt. Remember, you can connect with him at doxadeo.org or citychanger.org. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And what are you waiting for? Claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. And if you'd like to connect to our growing leadership community on Facebook, visit availleadershipconnect.com. As always, I'm Virgil Sierra, and we thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Leadership Podcast.